So, how do you walk with Dante? Well, you start here. Nel mezzo del cammin di nostra vita, mi ritrovai per un salvo oscuro che la darita via era smarita. Those are the first opening lines in medieval Italian of the great poem, The Divine Comedy. And if you're going to walk with Dante, that's where you have to start. I'll come back to that. This is not going to be a podcast in which Dante is somehow explained in uh, medieval Italian. Hardly at all. Um, I'll come back to that in a minute. But let me just say, why are you walking with Dante? And why would you want to walk with me through the Divine Comedy? And maybe there are several reasons, so let me offer a few of them. First, you might be walking with Dante because of religious reasons. I assure you, I am not. I am not walking with Dante because of religious reasons, although you might be. Uh, the second reason, let's say, is zombie reasons. <laughs> Lack of a better word. It's uh, that you're, you know, you want to be scared. It's a little bit like uh, Halloween Part 3 or I don't know what or Cujo or something. Um, but let me tell you that only a third of the poem, The Divine Comedy, takes place in hell. So if you're walking with Dante for zombie zombie reasons, um, you're going to lose it a little bit along the way. Uh, the poem is going to lose you more like and um, <laughs> you're going to end up someplace else so um, the poem is not about hell in fact it's called the comedy for reasons uh, that Dante has but basically because like comedy it has a happy ending Okay, what's another reason? A third reason you might be walking with Dante is literary reasons and partly that's it for me this is without a doubt the Divine Comedy is the greatest work to date of Western literature. Yes, to date. I mean, after all, something may happen after this. But for me, to date, this is the greatest work of Western literature. And it so much sums up what Western literature tries to do in so many ways. It sets the tone for the next the next 800 years of literature. And it also sets, some, in some ways, the thematics. Okay, and there's a fourth reason. Uh, maybe cultural reasons. Uh, maybe you just want to experience the Divine Comedy, and that's not such a bad reason. Uh, the, the imagination is a pasture. It is a grand pasture, and it is fabulous to be able to graze in that pasture. But let me also say that like any other pasture, the imagination has a fence. Dante has a fence. You have a fence. I have a fence. There are things that we cannot imagine, that we place our world inside this pasture and then work very hard to maintain the fence. So if you're going to walk with Dante, you got to figure out where his fence is, where his imaginative pasture lies, and you got to go there with him. That's not bad. It just may be different from your imaginative pasture, and certainly it's different from mine. So who am I? Well, I'm Mark Scarborough. I'm a former academic. I used to be a medievalist once upon a time, and then I became an Americanist. Uh, I gave papers at the International Medieval Conference in, yes, Kalamazoo, Michigan, several times on Chaucer. And then somehow I switched over and became an Americanist because, <laughs> I don't know, Chaucer, Faulkner, they're really the same thing, right? Um, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, I left academia 23 years ago. I became a full-time writer. I now write 
cookbooks full-time with my husband, Bruce Weinstein, and you can find out much more about us and our cookbooks on our podcast, Cooking with Bruce and Mark. Uh, I think we're up to 35 cookbooks from seven or eight New York publishers. Crazy. But anyway, I left all that 23, almost 24 years ago now. Um, to write full-time, but literature has come roaring back into my life, and I teach literary seminars across my part of New England. I live in very rural New England in the United States, um, and I end up teaching some very intense literary seminars, and believe it or not, I have taught Dante three times in the last seven years, and I've always felt like I had to hurry. One time, I actually taught Dante over, I believe it was 17 sessions, the, the Divine Comedy, over 17 sessions, which was kind of crazy, 17 two-hour sessions, but even that, I felt like I was rushing. And I've always wanted to come back and walk at my own pace alongside Dante, if that makes any sense, to take it step by step. And so that's where we are. We're at the opening lines of the first canto of the first canticle, Inferno, of the Divine Comedy. A lot more about what those words mean later on, but for now, let's just say we're at the opening lines. So let me go back to those lines, and I will always read the lines in the passages from Dante for you. This is my translation. It is my rough translation of the work itself from medieval Italian. Scholars may disagree with some of the ways I translate it, um, and that's cool. That's totally right. But this is my rough and English language translation. So let me go back to those lines that I read first in Italian. Well, you know what? Let me read them again in Italian, and then we'll come back to it um, in English. Nel mezzo del cammino di nostra vita mi ritrovai per una selva oscura che la darita via era smarita. Okay, like this. In the middle of the journey of our life, I found myself in a dark wood, for the straight way was lost. Ah, how hard it is to say what that wood was, so savage and gnarled and hard that such a thought brings back my fear. It is so bitter that death is hardly more so. But to discuss the good I found there, I will tell the other things I saw. It's just a cold open, right? In the middle of the journey of our life, I found myself in a dark wood. Just a completely cold open, by the way. It's 1300. It's the year 1300. We'll know that later from things that are dated in the poem and the way the poem exists. It's 1300, and you'll soon find out, well, soon, later down the line, you'll find out it's Maundy Thursday. If you don't know what that is, it's the Thursday before Easter Sunday in the year 1300. We'll talk more about dating when we get to it in the poem and when we get to moments where the date becomes clear. But for now, let's just say it's a cold open. In the middle of the journey of our life, I've had myself in a dark wood for the straight way was lost. It's almost existential, right? It's, it has this kind of almost wildly modern feel to it that you wake up in a dark wood. Who among us has not gotten to the middle of life, whatever that is, whatever the middle of your life has been so far, who has not gotten there and woke woken up in a dark wood and thought to themselves, oh my God, the straight way is lost. The way I was on, the what, what I thought I was doing, the path I thought was right, what I was plodding along, going along, minding my own business, and somehow here I am, I'm lost in a wood, and I just find myself here. 
One of the things that's so interesting about the Divine Comedy is that there's no apparatus. And by that mean and by that I mean there's no introductory material. Almost all medieval texts that are finished have a great deal of introductory material. They have prefaces and dedications and Latin this and Greek that and New Testament this and to the Pope that and to the Emperor that and to the King this, right? And just a kind of constant barrage of opening material before you actually get to the text itself. If you are an English major and you studied Chaucer in college or even later, if you read Chaucer, you know that there's no apparatus at the front of the Canterbury Tales, but that's because probably because the Canterbury Tales is not finished. If it were ever finished, it would tend to have more apparatus about it, or at least we'd expect it to have it. But there's no apparatus here. Let me give you an example, and I'm larding up this example for a future date in the Divine Comedy, but let me give you an example of a text like this. It's Brunetto Latini's book, um, Il Tesoretto, a poem, and I'm really laying it on thick here by picking Latini's Il Tesoretto, and if you walk far enough with Dante, you'll know why I'm laying it on thick, but okay. So the Il Tesoretto, the, the treasury, the treasure chest, opens with an elaborate dis, a dedication to a noble reader. Um, you know, this kind of elaborate, you know, oh, noble reader, take my text, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then it goes into what's called a fagaletto, or a little fable. And it's a, it's a fable about the friendship amongst men. It's addressed to a fellow poet, Rusco di Filippo, but it's all based on Cicero. It's all based on that. This one all become much more important later in Dante's comedy. But for now, let's just say, you know, you got this dedication to a noble reader and you got this short fable about the friendship between men. And then you get an introductory story. Latini is sent on an embassy mission to Spain to ask for help for Florence in the face of Sienese attacks. We'll come back to this too. This is the great war that's going on in Italy. Latini's been sent to Spain to ask for help, to help the Florentines. Basically, the Florentines support, um, basically, the Florentines all support the Papal Party, and the Sienese support the Holy Roman Empire. It's not quite that simple, but basically. Uh, somehow on this journey, or some, some uh, during this journey that Latini takes to Spain, um, uh, the Battle of Monteperte takes place on the 4th of September 1260, and Latini's just too late. The Battle of Monteperte sets the war for a while, um, and it's <laughs> the collapse of Florence, and things go downhill from there, and Latini's just too late. And he travels back through France, and he meets an exile from the Battle of Monteperti, somebody who is, you know, a survivor from this terrible battle. And this, of course, causes Latini great distress because his, no, his friends, his comrades, his countrymen in Florence, you know, they're under severe stress now, having lost the Sienese and... All of that is in the front of Il Tesseretto, and after we get through all of that, Latini writes these lines. And I, in such anguish, thinking with my head downcast, lost the great highway and took a crossroad through a strange wood. There you go. There it is. In essence, it sounds like the beginning of an adventure, and it also sounds like the opening of Dante's poem. 
except Dante's poem forgets all that other stuff, the dedication, the fagoletto, the little fable, the introductory story, why I came to write this work, how I got to be who I am, all that stuff is gone. And instead, we just walk into the middle of it, in the middle of the journey of our life, I found myself in a dark wood, for the straight way was lost. You know, later on in poets like John Milton, this opening bit will become ponderous. I mean, the opening apparatus in Paradise Lost, right? It's gigantic, a ridiculous amount of opening material. But it's even the case in many medieval poems. And in a poem as important as the Divine Comedy, one about the whole encyclopedic nature of the universe as it was understood in Dante's day, in a poem this important, you would just expect apparatus. That said, there are poems that don't have grand openings, that don't have all the apparatus around them. Think, for example, of Virgil's Aeneid. I'm laying it on again. If you know anything about the Divine Comedy, you know that by my mentioning Virgil, who will become a character in the Divine Comedy, I'm laying it on thick here. But just think about Virgil's Aeneid. Wars in the man I sing, an exile driven on by date. He was the first to flee the coast of Troy, destined to reach Lavinian shores in Italian soil, yet many blows he took on land and sea from the gods above. That is also a cold opening. But there's another cold opening, even beyond Virgil. It's Genesis, the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Cold open, right? No apparatus, no stuff around it to suggest where this text is coming from, or who wrote it, or why it's here. It's just there. Dante's poem, The Divine Comedy, opens without all the medieval architecture, using at least one classical model, Virgil, and even maybe a biblical model to jump right into the action. Some people have seen these opening lines as in medius race. That's a, for, that's a, a term used to describe the epic form that starts in Latin, in the middle of things, in medius race. I don't buy it. While I think that the poem does say in the middle of the journey of our life, I found myself in a dark wood. Well, of course, that's how it starts. Just because the word middle is there doesn't mean the poem is opening in the middle of events. If it were opening in the middle of events, then I would expect that I would, like in Virgil's Aeneid and like in other great epics, I would expect I would then hear the past. I mean, you know, in, in the Odyssey, I would expect, when it opens in Medius Rays, in the middle of things, in Homer's poem, that we're going to jump back and tell the backstory, which we do for a very long time, to get us back up to the moment of Penelope waiting at home with her suitors. But in this poem, we only get small, small hints in the Divine Comedy of what the past is for this pilgrim on this journey. This in Medius race, if it is in Medius race, then the past is hard to track down. I mean, there's going to be some points in the poem where you can say, ah, oh, maybe that's why Dante wrote this poem, or oh, maybe that's what happened to Dante. And of course, there's the history, um, we'll get into this next time, of Dante being an exile from Florence. But all of that is not actually in the very center of the poem itself. In fact, long, long down the poem, when Dante gets clear up, 
into the spheres of heaven, he will meet one of his own ancestors who will make a prediction that Dante will be in exile from Florence. Well, Dante's already in exile when he's writing this poem. So that's not explaining the past. The, 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 the ancestor, Cacciaguida, up in paradise, is giving him the future. Well, you're going to know what it's like to be in exile. Instead, we're here at this moment in the middle of the journey of our life. I found myself in a dark wood for the straight way was lost. And we're not necessarily at a moment that's in medius race in the middle of things. It's just in the middle of life. And now let me talk about that for just a second. Look at those lines again. Listen to them. In the middle of the journey of our life, I found myself in a dark wood, for the straight way was lost. Notice that initial sentence, in the middle of the journey of our life. So this is not in the middle of the journey of my life. This is the middle of the journey of all of our lives. I found myself in a dark wood, for the straight way was lost. Ah, how hard it is to say what that wood was. So savage and gnarled and hard that such a thought brings back my fear. I'm going to stop. Notice that in the initial opening of the poem, there are at least three different points of view. There is our life, so there's a, forgive this word, universal point of view, all of us, in the middle of the journey of our life. I found myself, now there's a different point of view. It's not the universal, it's me. And this me is the pilgrim, the pilgrim who is walking. I found myself in a dark wood for the straight way was lost. And then it changes again. Ah, how hard it is to say what that wood was. This person now talking, so savage and gnarled and hard that such a thought brings back my fear. This person talking now is not the guy walking. This is the guy writing. This is the writer of the poem. How hard it is to say, it is to say, what that wood was so savage and gnarled and hard that such a thought brings back my fear. It is so bitter. Notice the present tense. It is so bitter that death is hardly more so. It's not that it was so bitter. It is. As I sit here at my desk, we have a sudden glimpse of Dante the writer at his desk struggling to put into words what exactly happened. It is so bitter that death is hardly more so. But to discuss the good I found there, I will tell the other things I saw. And oh, what those other things are. Oh my gosh, what they are over the course of this poem. So automatically, we have a complicated position here. We have a universal perspective. We have a perspective of Dante the Pilgrim, the guy that's walking. I'm calling him Dante. He's not going to be named that for a long time in the poem, but let's just say now it's Dante, Dante walking. And I also have a picture of Dante writing, of who is the guy sitting at his desk with his quill and his parchment? Who is this guy who's trying to write this stuff down? And you'll note that the poem opens with two failures. It opens with the failure of the pilgrim losing the straight way and waking up in a dark wood. And it opens with the failure of the writer being unable to explain it. How do I say this? 
pilgrim failure, what, leads to, predicts, causes narrative failure, writerly failure. Have you ever been here before? That something so hard you can't quite figure out how to write it down. You can't figure out the words to say. And once you say that, once you sit down at your computer or your pen and paper or however you write and you say, oh, I'm going to try to write this. And then you think, oh my God, it's so hard. You know, the, the death of, I don't know, a parent, the abuse you suffered in your past, distrust, infidelity, I don't know, name it. It's so hard. How can I write it? And you realize that at that very moment, you've bifurcated yourself. You've got a you who's back there experiencing that trauma. And you've got a you right here trying to write it. And those two are suddenly at war with each other or they're distanced from each other or the gap between them is becoming very loud. You're hearing that, that empty space, the hollow ringing between that person who experienced it and that person who's trying to write it. And that's exactly how this poem opens. That's exactly the problem set. It is so bitter that death is hardly more so. But to discuss the good I found there, the good I found there, I will tell the other things I saw. So in order to get out something good, I have to go through this. I have to tell the other things. In order to get, you know, let's say, let's say you're writing a chronicle of the of your survival from an abusive situation. In order to get to the point where you can say, and I survived it, you have to write the other things or tell the other, have you been in therapy? Or tell the other things. You have to get to where you can actually say it or write it, or express it, or paint it, or sculpt it. You have to get there. And in order to get to earn your ending, I survived it, the good things I found there, you got to get through the bad stuff. And the bad stuff is coming in the inferno. So it goes like this. A man wakes up in a dark wood. He's lost. He doesn't know where to go. And so... And here's the kicker. Sets out to walk across the universe. Because that's what the Divine Comedy is. He is going to walk across the known universe. And if you want to know, it takes about a week. Um, and in walking across the known universe, he's going to walk through everything he knows, everything that is thought, all of the ways in which the basic questions of life try to get answered, he's going to walk across not just the universe, but everything. And in walking across the universe, he's going to discover the good, all in a poem about a midlife crisis. Not his, but ours. In the middle of the journey of our life, I found myself in a dark wood, for the straight way was lost. Ah, how hard it is to say what that wood was, so savage and gnarled and hard, that such a thought brings back my fear. It is so bitter that death is hardly more so. But to discuss the good I found there, I will tell the other things I saw. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you will subscribe to Walking with Dante. I hope you'll walk along with me. It's a long road, but you know what? We got time. 
and you can walk with me at this slow pace, at our pace, through what I think is the greatest piece of work in Western literature, the greatest piece of writing in Western literature, The Divine Comedy. I'm Mark Scarborough. I'd love to have you back with me next time.